How about another joke, Murray? No, I think we've had enough of your jokes. What do you get? I don't think so. When you cross I think a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash! Call the police, I'll Gene. tell you what you get! Call the police! You get what you fucking deserve! Three Films and a Podcast has no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode. All film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders and is used solely with the intent of film criticism, commentary, and education under fair use law. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy. Welcome to Three Films in a Little Podcast. As we've mentioned before, our little podcasts are a smaller version of our normal podcast where we basically recap earlier rounds that we viewed earlier this year. And we have also used uh, the little podcast to do fun events like um, with the community, like a Halloween movie, holiday movies. Today we are recapping round two of our movie club that we viewed in the January, February um, timeframe of 2020. The pre-COVID times back when things were... Normal. Things are simpler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a we had no time. idea. <laughs> little Boy, did we know. Yeah, little did we know. <laughs> I was trying uh, to remember like when exactly this was. And yeah, it was right in the middle of January. I felt like it was last year, like 2019. But uh, yeah, it was kind of... Well, time is weird these days. <laughs> time is yeah, very weird. It was, it was five it years was, ago, was, the beginning uh, of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so this lineup included Joker, it included Marriage Story, and it included The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Um, I know around this time we were trying to fit in some movies where we could that were nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. And so Is that um, what this was? Is that like it was it wasn't an official thing. It was just more of like uh, as we chose these movies, we were mindful that some of these um, we're going to be nominated or we're nominated and we're going to, you know, be in the running. So mm. this round, and I think, I believe the next round, we tried to throw in where we could um, some Oscar nominated movies. Mm-hmm. So these ones being obviously Joker and Marriage Story, The Man Who Killed Ducky Quixote, I think was the previous year. Um, so I guess to start us out off on Joker, um, get it out of the way a little bit. Uh, The Joker, just to give a quick recap, um, directed by Todd Phillips. uh, It had Joaquin Phoenix nominated for best actor. I did not recap the nominations. Ben, you can correct me if you know, was it nominated for best picture as well? And best director? Pretty sure it was. It had like uh, oddly high number of nominations, if I remember correctly, but you keep talking about it. I'll look it up. Okay. So yeah, it, it was nominated for uh, several things. Um, it's basically a retelling of the classic villain Joker. Um, in this iteration, he is a mentally ill um, man with a condition that makes him laugh uncontrollably. And I guess with the with the way he's treated is turned down the path of uh, a homicidal maniac. And at the same time, he kind of becomes the leader or the face of a anti-establishment movement. 
what what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll I'll hand it off to you guys to give your thoughts principally on the movie, and then also kind of just give your from your perspective because I mean it, it is it fits in like the D, this new DC universe that they're trying to fit in like this this universe here, and uh, I was curious where they they would go with it. It did super well, so I guess my question to you guys would be. What are your thoughts and where do they go with this new Joker universe that they've created? And let's start with Ben. Um, man, my thoughts. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> this was um, <laughs> quite the movie. I, so I, I've seen it twice. I went and I saw it in theaters because I feel like no matter what I'm going to expect of it, I, I'm just a sucker for a comic book movie, which this is like the term is used very loosely with this. But um yeah, I remember I, I came home after watching it and in my letterboxed review, I said, I don't know if this is a four star movie or a two star movie. And I ended up giving it three. And then upon the rewatch, I gave it two stars because I had like settled down and like kind of realized how I truly felt about the movie. It is. It's a beautiful movie. It is beautifully shot. It looks great. The score is beautiful which i mean speaking of that is so it was nominated for 11 oscars it won two it won for best original score um from let me see make sure i get the name right um hilder i'm not giving you an attempt to the last name because i know i'm gonna butcher it but it won best score and the other thing that i thought was great about it was Joaquin Phoenix's performance. It was very strong, it was very powerful and he won the best actor at the oscars for this movie those were my three takeaways, which sounds just like a blueprint for a great movie. Like, oh, it sounded great. Oh, it looked great. Oh, the main actor was awesome. I just hated everything else about this movie. I, I just I, <laughs> I didn't like the storyline. I didn't like like how I felt it portrayed, you know, mental health. I didn't like I guess just what it was trying to to get across. I don't know. It felt unnecessary. It felt like I don't I mean, I think we're all, you know, a fan of the comic book genre overall. You know, Matt, I know you're a huge fan of it. And for me, the Joker t is like one of the characters where it's better when we don't know the origin story. Like the the unknown is what makes yeah. it so great in my mind. So when I saw that the dude who directed Hangover 2 right. was going to write like have an origin story with Joker, I was like, Okay, that's super weird. But then Joaquin was attached, and, was, and I, I literally couldn't think of a movie that I didn't like that he was in. And I just felt so conflicted. I felt like these are polar opposites. Mm -hmm. Why are they working together? This is insane to me that these people yeah. are like teaming up. I don't get it. So, and it just kind of turned out to be, I guess, what I thought it would be when it got announced. Like it's a movie that looked cool with a really strong performance, but the storyline just wasn't important or good I, I just I really didn't enjoy it it felt like I mean you guys <laughs> might hit on this but I got the impression that Todd Phillips got finished watching like Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy and he's like I want to do that <laughs> but Todd Phillips is not Martin Scorsese I don't know if he knows that or not because <laughs> it's just like you know we talked about um, rules of engagement being you know by someone who like was trying to write like a mix of American psycho and Pulp Fiction. And that's just kind of what it felt like with Todd Phillips. He's like, Oh, I'll take a character that people know about. So we get a box office draw, but I'm going to do my version of taxi driver. And I guess my overall re review would be if you like 
really want a story about like a character who just changes who they are and goes down like a deep, dark hole. And I mean, just a huge dramatic shift throughout the movie. Watch Taxi Driver. You talking to me? That's the better version of this. You don't get a little baby Bruce Wayne in it, but that's it, I guess. Like, I don't know. That's like, that's pretty much all there is. So (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm rambling on about it. I had a really hard time with this movie. I don't know that I would go back and watch it again. I might at some point, because again, just like it's, it's a, there's great clips that I'm sure we'll be putting over this audio. And like, you can see it looks fantastic. It is so well shot, but (laughs) that's just not, it doesn't make a movie. So I don't know my rambling thoughts. I'll wrap them up just to say that the two Oscars it won, I, I feel like made sense. You know, those people were fantastic in what they did. But I, I I don't know. I'm surprised and not surprised that we're getting a sequel because I guess money talks. People are going to come see number two. I'll, I'll go see number two. I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> it's the car wreck. You know, you drive by really slow. Like, well, I got to check it out if I've been yeah. waiting this long. But I'm right. not going to like what I see. But it's just that's what's going to happen. So <laughs> I don't know. Those are my overall thoughts. I'm very curious to hear, you know, Fuzz, yeah. what do you think about it? Oh. I mean, honestly, a lot the same. It's when I first saw it and reviewed it uh, and then watched it again. um, I don't think I reviewed it until the second time I watched it. Um, But I had a hard time reconciling the fact, like a lot of what you said, where um, it's really well made. It looks great. Like uh, in regards to the craft of the the movie, like it's about as good as you can do, right? It's yeah. paced well. It's got a, it, it creates a world and it, and it, um, it creates a theme and, uh, it, it sticks to it and it, it stays true to the world that it creates. Uh, mm. and it, it, it's, it feels very realized and real and it feels, uh, gritty and, and engaging. But at the same time, it's just, it's just, it's not really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I keep, I kept watching both times. Um, it kept me engaged and it kept my eyes on the screen, but it just, it was a bummer to watch. And so do I say it's, do I give it a poor review because it's not fun to watch or do I give it a great review because it's so well made? Yes. Yeah. I, I honestly still have a hard time reconciling that. Um, my letterboxd review, uh, I'm looking back on it and I've reviewed it on January 16th of 2020. And I said, it's sort of like watching a beautiful train wreck. Like you don't want to look, you don't want to see what's happening. But you <laughs> yeah. Just, you can't look away. Cause when are you ever going to see this again? Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, um, the things I was watching were, were interesting despite how off putting they were. And I, I just had to keep watching. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't even know if I liked what I was seeing, but at the very least, I was fascinated, and at the worst, I was horrified. Like I, I felt bad for Arthur, but I don't excuse any of the stuff he did. I understand why he was so hurt by, you know, being mocked his whole life, and finally his hero Murray mocking him. But like, I do think it's potential, like dangerous to pretend mentally unstable is potentially murderous. And and, yeah. and I say all that, and then I remember like, yeah, but it's a it's about the Joker, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like, why am I surprised that a supervillain acts like a supervillain? And I think, and I, and I think it's it's a lot to do with what you said about how we don't need to see his backstory. And I put that in my review as well. But then I think about the fact that in the actual like 
canon of Batman. We know Joker's origin story. He, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like in in the Tim Burton Batman, he falls into a vat of acid and his face gets all screwed up and he looks in the mirror and whatever. We've all seen that scene. Uh, And if you haven't like go revisit my favorite Batman out of all of them, despite (laughs) not having seen of it in a long time, it's still my favorite, probably just out of nostalgia. But (laughs) anyways, like we know, like we know the Joker's origin story. So why am I so mad about, learning his origin story and you know it's maybe it's just because it's a different origin but like the dc universe it seems that they're trying to create is much darker it's grittier it's a little more real and less uh cartoon you know cartoony like the marvel universe so i don't know i have a lot of mixed emotions and in the end i gave it a three-star review i'll probably keep it at three just because like i said it's really well made but it's just kind of a fucking bummer. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I can understand wanting to delve into the psyche of a supervillain and make him seem more human than super. But I I just, maybe it's better if our villains are left as more of a mystery. Like maybe we shouldn't understand what we're up against. And maybe, maybe we shouldn't feel sympathy for the devil, you know, or, or maybe this, maybe this movie as a whole was just too heavy handed. But, you know, in the end, I thought it was beautifully crafted and uh, I was awestruck with the tone of the film and the soundtrack, like you said, was great. Um, It sort of felt like a dream sequence the whole time and maybe more so like a nightmare sequence the whole Mm -hmm. time. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think it's worth a watch, uh, if only just to form your own opinions of the movie and, and see what, you know, see what all the fuss is about. And if if you're listening to this, I assume you've seen it. So I don't know. There was a lot of stuff I liked about it. and. At, but at the end, I just didn't like it. It just bummed me out. It felt gross. Yeah. Like, you know, there's one of my favorite. I know I know one of the movies, one of the rules of movie club is not talking about TV. But one of my all time favorite TV shows is Breaking Bad. And the whole time you're rooting for Walter. and He's a sociopath, right? He's a he's the bad guy. Like Walter is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You're rooting for him the whole time. Uh, and. I just feel for for whatever reason in the Joker, like I can't root for the bad guy, and you're not fucking supposed to. It's Joker, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just weird. Like maybe if they had, maybe if there had been some. I know this isn't a Batman movie. It's just in the Batman universe. But maybe if there was, like, maybe we just needed to see him get his at the very end, just get his ass kicked by Batman just for a second. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, that might've been better. Like maybe he gets away from Batman. Maybe this is the first time Batman. And you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, you can't fucking win. It's the Joker. Like, it's just, I'm curious to see, like we got, we got slight hints. Like, obviously, like I said, we met little baby Bruce Wayne and, um, Alfred. And then, you know, there, I I believe at the end scene, there's like kind of hints to, Martha and Thomas Wayne down the alley. So there's like things that are there, you know, to kind of let us know where we're at. But, you know, I mean, to your point with Walter White, I feel like with something like that, we as Americans can empathize with Walter White because it's like, dude, dude's got some like hospital bills coming up. Like he needs some money. You know what I mean? And I feel like one of the best memes or whatever I've seen was like, just that Breaking Bad taking place in Canada would be like one episode. It's like, oh, yeah, universal health care. He's fine. Like, you can't have this yeah. show. You know, it's like, at least with that character, you empathize where Frankly, he's coming the from. the same argument could be made with the Joker, right? Like, yeah. if he just could have had his mental health issues taken care of, 
and it'd probably be fine. But yeah, and we'd be I good. So I, I think one of my other issues on the list is like you said like it kind of feels like a dream sequence but that's also just kind of how they end the movie and you're just left like wait was this whole thing a dream sequence because there are so many of them throughout the film and in a way some of those i think get handled pretty well like the yeah. first time i saw it, i was like okay that was kind of cool like i get that you know what i mean like that was that was interesting how they did that how this like the, the delusion is taking over his life but yeah, to also the stuff with and, and, Zazie Beats, you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she was great. You know, like it, it felt weird in the moment as we're watching. It's like, man, this relationship skyrocketed so fast, you know? And yeah. then the reveal happens, like, okay, that's why like, like oh, I, I get it. But then at the end of the movie, it just I, I think you're left think like they want you to think I don't know, it's ambiguous, you know, it's like, well, was he just thinking that the whole time and that just made me so mad. I was like, what do you, what's, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> like, and then I, I mean, I listened to some podcasts with Joaquin and people have asked him like, Oh, what do you think is real? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really care. It's up for the audience. And for, for some reason for me, it's just like, just make up your mind. Let me know. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I, I'm okay with some ambiguity, like the ending to inception. I love because then that kind of gets you in the mood for like, Oh, is he like imagining this place or is that like top about to like fall over? Like that works for me. But when you end the movie by saying like the whole thing could have been a joke or whatever, like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. What what do you think, Matt? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with everything that you guys have said. Um, I felt like, I guess just to, to get right out of like my issue with it is like, it is the way that they brought, like mental health and mental illness into the role. On one hand, I understand why they thought that they should do it or why they thought that it would be smart or heady or make people feel, make it more relatable. Like yeah. I get that. But to me, it just like completely weakened him as a villain mm-hmm. because he, he goes through his journey and he's done all these heinous things now. And even at the end of the movie, like, yes, you want him to be stopped, but kind of like in real life, like if a insane, per- if a sane person kills people, it's like, okay, he needs to go to jail. He needs to be stopped. If yeah. an insane person kills people, he needs help. And so like they, they go get like, they go to like an institution, which is kind of what Batman's all about. Like I get it. Like it's Arkham. So he's going to go to Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. Like Batman puts him in like a mental institution. And so I guess it is like showing that, but um, there is something about it. Like Joker is like supposed to be criminally insane and not necessarily like insane first, like mental issues first. And then like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the Joker that the Joker that I know, <laughs> you know, uh, like it, he, he sort of like goes, he, he ends up being criminally insane, right? Like he's not like, doesn't, that's not his genesis, right? Yeah. Like, I think um, something you talked you you mentioned earlier about his disorder where he laughs all the time. I actually thought that was kind of cool, and I think they could have they could have used that. Like, he could have been like an overall like normal guy, uh, just trying to like get ahead in the world. And he's got this weird tick where he laughs at inappropriate stuff, but he's not necessarily crazy. And then maybe that can be his like his drive like he finds out the only way he can succeed is by breaking bad if we tie it all together right, right. <laughs> and then he's and then he he turns into the joker because he's always laughing at this horrible stuff he does and then 
maybe it just doesn't feel so gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause, Cause like we're like, supposed to be happy when he gets beat up or like, here's this guy's got fucking problems. Yeah, like, right. yeah. He's an, it's an awful, the things he's doing, but we're supposed to be happy that he just keeps getting the shit kicked out of him and nothing works out for him. Like, it's just hard to reconcile. Like, like Thanos does all these bad things and like you want him stopped and you want him dead and all that stuff. Arthur does these bad things. It's like, this is horrible, but he needs help. Like yeah. get this guy help. <laughs> right. And like, yeah. we're not supposed to feel that about bad guys. And so yeah. like the second part of my like question was like, where do they even go from here in that universe? Like if they build out Bruce Wayne and I can't help, but like, I can't even figure that out because part of the thing that jo- makes Joker great is like, he's like the complete opposite of Batman, but they both are like insane in their own way mm-hmm. to like, right. offset each other over and over again. And so it's like, do you like, is Batman, are they going to do like a Batman movie where it's basically the same thing? Like he has this whole, he has issues from like traumatic experience. Like how do they treat that? And like, I guess like I was thinking of how that, how they could even treat Batman and as, as stupid and as this sounds, like I almost feel like the only way it could work is if Batman, like Bruce Wayne's treated like almost like Napoleon dynamite. Not in like a comedy <laughs> sense, but like super serious about himself, but not aware at all about how like socially weird he is. Stay home and eat all the freaking chips, Kip. Napoleon, don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Besides, we both know I'm training to become a cage fighter. Since when, Kip? You have the worst reflexes of all time. Try and hit me, Napoleon. What? I said come down here and see what happens if you try and hit me. Like, yeah. loves playing dress up. He lives with Alfred, like <laughs> just a w- complete weirdo. Yeah. And like somehow does have the means to like go stop people and like fight crime. But like, that's the only way I can even think of how they could make that universe work with a Batman in it. Yeah. And it makes me realize that like, these are like what I think what they tried to do was ground Joker in some sort of reality. So like, say like, Oh, this could happen. Like, you, you know, like we could end up with a supervillain like Joker and it's maybe it's a commentary on the American healthcare system and the way we look at mental health and whatever. But it's just like, OK, great. But you did it in a way that's now we have to look at every every person with a mental disability as a potential supervillain. And like right. this is a fucking comic book like we we're not like. I've accepted in the Marvel universe that all these dimensions are tied together through Dr. Strange and the guardians of the galaxy can cruise through the universe and end up on earth. And Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel can zip around from planet to planet and galaxy to galaxy. Like it's not supposed to be rooted in reality. Like we can see ourselves in these characters because they look human and they live in New York and whatever, but like there's some, there's some suspension of disbelief and like, I don't, need joker to be grounded in reality like he needs right. to be like have the white face and just be a supervillain and be the foil to batman like yeah so I, I picture like like you said like it does if, if we're trying to cement like bruce wayne into reality all of a sudden we have to like figure out how what would like realistically push him into vigilanteism yeah like and he has to be like sort of crazy to do that as well. So it's like, is he just at home watching He-Man and he feels like <laughs> he can go out and do these things? Like, I, I do not know where they're going to go with it. Part of me wondered, yeah. like, I was really trying to, like, stretch to make a connection here to the DCEU with Joker. 
And, you know, one of those end scenes, you just see everyone who's so like, quote unquote, inspired by him or like in awe of him and stuff. I was like, is there a world where like, there's a young Bruce Wayne, but there's also another young Joker who ends up like turning into the Jared Leto Joker who was inspired by the Joaquin Joker. And it's like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Of it's course. like the beginning of Dark Knight where this guy's dressed like Batman because they're inspired by him. But maybe this is like the flip side where it's bad. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to just like create chaos. And that's where the vigilante mm. Batman comes from. He's like, Oh, I got to like straighten this shit out. Like we can't have, I, I have no idea like how they tie these in. Like I think overall, That's a good they, pitch, like, though. They, yeah, I don't know if they like are wanting to tie this Joker in, but it seems like it's clearly set in the seventies. You know what I mean? Like early eighties, mm-hmm. late seventies and Bruce Wayne is seven, eight. I don't know. He's a kid. So I feel like we have at le- like at least 15, 20 years before we get Batman. So I'm like, I don't know, mate, like, that'd be super weird for like a 20 something year old to be fighting this, like almost 60 year old Joker. Like, I don't know that yeah. what they're going to do. So maybe like, yeah, just like inspire some, some knockoffs who put damage on their forehead and like get platinum grills. And it's like, Oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do now. I, <laughs> I don't know. Like there's, I, I'm down for a multiverse. Like, you know, like, I mean, I think Spider-Man did it really well. I mean, kind of speaking of all this, like with the multiverse and stuff and like weird villain origins, I can at least say that I feel slightly, slightly that this got handled better than Electro, who was just like, I'm going to kill everyone because no one remembers my name. Like, it was <laughs> just so weird. Yes. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Fox, yeah, like, right. you don't remember my name? All right, I'm going to kill everybody. It's like, yeah. dude, chill <laughs> out. There are billions of us. There's a lot of people's name I don't know. Like, you don't <laughs> watch kill names. everyone here. Like, Lots everyone sitting on that metal bleacher, I'm going to fry him right now because no one remembers my <laughs> birthday. It's like, okay, dude. Like, that was, for me, the weirdest origin story for yeah, a villain. But this one is like... It's not too far away, I don't think. But again, like we've all hit on it. I think it's just the the way it portrays mental health. And it's like, oh, if you don't take care of it, you can become a bad guy. It's like, let's just try to take care of it. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's It was weird. Bottom line, three films in a podcast. We're not a fan of Joker. Um, <laughs> but we do recognize that there was like some cinematic merit there as far as the the direction, the cinematography. Um, and the acting, obviously, Walking Phoenix did a masterclass in his role there. Um, put the score on the Spotify, put the movie on mute, oh, yeah. and just like enjoy yeah. how it looks and sounds. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's yeah, that's the best way to enjoy this movie, in my opinion. I'd say it's worth watching. You know, yeah, I think everyone should like honestly like all these movies. I want people to create their own opinions on it, but it's yeah, true. Um, they won't be winning any up, rewatches. I can. Pretty much can't do that. <laughs> Next up, we have the man who killed Don Quixote. Tyler, do you want to give a recap on that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll be honest. I don't really even really remember it that well, <laughs> uh, I, which is sort of, I feel like a good representation of my overall thoughts on the movie. Like, I liked it, but I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, like... I know that's a great review and maybe we should just move on from there. But, <laughs> just a shoulder uh, shrug. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the IMDB uh, description is, uh, you know, it says Toby's a disillusioned, a disillusioned film director and he's pulled into a world of time jumping fantasy. When a Spanish cobbler believes himself to be Sancho Panza, he gradually becomes unable to tell dreams from reality. So basically we follow Toby 
played by uh, Adam Driver. Big fan of the show, by the way. I, I was surprised fan. to learn that, but um, it's pretty to get cool him to on. Should be any time. Yeah. Just waiting for yeah, his schedule to clear up. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You'd think you'd have more time with the pandemic and everything, but I don't know. He's a busy, busy guy. Man. Uh, but anyways, we follow around Toby, and he's a filmmaker uh, from New York, I believe, from New York, right? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, and he's uh, living in Spain, trying to make uh, his movie. Is is his movie about Don Quixote? His movie is Don Quixote, right? In the in in the yeah, movie. I think his <laughs> I think it's a student film, right? And like he's making the Don yeah. Quixote film, and then yeah. yeah. Yeah, it ends up being pretty meta because it's it's him trying to make a movie about Don Quixote with this guy he finds in Spain. He's a cobbler and talks him into playing the role of Don Quixote. And this uh, cobbler is played by Jonathan Price. And, uh, you know, at a certain point, uh, also the character the played show. by Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan Price. he's a big fan of the show. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Jonathan Price, but <laughs> it's all anyways, it's a mutual uh, relationship. Yeah. This cobbler whose name I can't remember ends up believing that he himself is like the reincarnation of Don Quixote. And so they're they're going through going around Spain and they're trying to make this movie and nothing's working out, which ends up being sort of like a meta commentary on the movie itself, the man who killed Don Quixote, because it had its own struggles in production, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. But I don't know. Honestly, that's all I can really remember of it. Uh, I liked the movie, uh, but it's kind of one that like, I'm not sad I watched it. I'll probably never watch it again. Um, and I wrote on Letterboxd that um, I think the only reason I liked it was because of how much I liked uh, Adam Driver and Jonathan Price. Mm-hmm. Uh, Price after uh, I, I didn't know about him until Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. uh, he became the more I, and then I saw that uh, Pope movie on mm-hmm. Netflix that, the two popes or whatever it was. I can't, was that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, he was incredible in that. And I was like, Oh man, I like this Jonathan price guy. Um, and, uh, he's, you know, becoming one of my favorite actors. And, uh, if it weren't for all the performances, I don't think I would have liked the movie at all. I just like, didn't really connect with me. I just didn't really care. Um, and I really liked, I really did like the scenes, uh, of Toby in Spain, the flashback stuff when he was in school and it was, it was all the, the nostalgia of mm-hmm. him being in Spain and traveling around. It reminded me of a lot of my travels and uh, ne- not nearly as uh, extravagant or, or uh, whatever is, is his, but um, yeah, it, rem- it reminded me of experiences I've had. And uh, yeah, I just felt a cool nostalgia out of it. And overall I gave it three and a half stars uh, for three stars for the performances and a half star just because I like Jonathan Price. Um, and that's pretty much all I can really say about it, to be honest. Uh, I know that's, we're doing a movie podcast and that's a pretty terrible <laughs> review, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's the honest, uh, that's the honest truth. And that my big, yeah, that, that would be my big takeaway from it is, uh, it's fine. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, for a movie that we watched at the beginning of this year, you know, it's, yeah, it's, that's the hard stick. part too is we're recapping these movies from January and not all of them are going to be rememberable. And you know, it's, it's yeah. not, it's a bad movie. I just was like, I don't know there's other movies that we're, that we've watched and that we're going to recap that I'd probably watch first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't know if you like Adam driver, if you like Jonathan price, if you like Terry Gilliam, if you like Spain and uh, whatever. 
check yeah, it out. This is the movie for you. If you like all four uh-huh. of those things, this is your movie. Um, I so as far as my review, I ended up um, on two and a half, and for me, like what I wrote in here was this was weird even for Terry Gilliam. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who directed like Brazil, 12 Monkeys, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like plenty of weird stuff, been involved with Monty Python. Like he has a lot of weird stuff. And this wasn't that kind of weird, but it was, to me, it was just like, I don't know. It was strange in its own right. Um, I agree with you, Tyler. Like the set design was awesome. Like the two leads nailed this movie. Like Adam Driver and yeah. Jonathan Price, they're they're perfect. Like in these roles, they're fantastic. Like I mean, I really gotta stop. I gotta come up with another word. <laughs> fantastic. I need to pull up the source <laughs> with all my tabs here. Like, what else can I say for fantastic? Um, I think you're fantastic. <laughs> I appreciate that. Me um, too. Sunday. Well, maybe watch Fantastic Mr. Fox and then I'll just get it all out. Um, Fantastic Four. <laughs> my my overall takeaway from my review, though, was in large part thanks to Matt's wife's review. And I just ended it by saying, like, thanks to Party Ange. I said that it felt like it took me five hours to watch a two-hour movie. Like, when this was done, I was like, like, what day is it right now? Because I don't know. This yeah. is just such, like, an exhausting movie, <laughs> which is, like, also just kind of funny. Like, if you know any of the backstory to the production of this movie, like, this thing, when did it come out? 2018? Like, I, I think Terry Gilliam has been trying to make this for, like, 30 years. Yeah. Like, the original Adam Driver role was Johnny Depp. And uh, I don't know. There, there's so much that we could go into. I don't, <laughs> like, necessarily want to make this a podcast about Lost in La Mancha, but <laughs> that documentary looks fantastic. And just like all the stuff that it kind of covers. I mean, like just whether like the Don Quixote dude who's like supposed to ride on a horse throughout the whole movie is this French man in his seventies who learned English for the role. And he's getting on a plane to come film it. This is back in like the eighties, nineties finds out he has like a prostate infection. So he can't ride on a horse and they have to like delay oh, and just like budgetary, just all kinds of stuff. Like I, I highly recommend if you are interested in the backstory of it, either, you know, renting the documentary lost in La Mancha or there's a podcast called what went wrong. And they did an episode on Don Quixote, which really just turned into an episode about lost in La Mancha where they kind of recap everything. This movie just sounds like it's been a nightmare to make forever. (laughs) So I I don't know. Like, yeah. All of that trouble for this, (laughs) you know, like the movie itself, it's like, you got to know when to fold them, man. Like it's exactly, just, it just it's wasn't like, meant to be like, it's his life and his passion. He can do whatever he wants, but it's like, you spent 30 years to make a movie where the three of us are like, eh. <laughs> like we're, we're not, we're not the be all end all critics here. I know there's a lot of people that like it. If you look through reviews on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, but it's just like, Dude, <laughs> like, like I'm happy for him that he was able to make sure. it, but I think even our review is like right along with the box office, and their review was two point right. four million dollars. Like this movie yeah. cost like tens of millions of dollars to make, and it brought in two point four. And so I, I think that the box office doesn't always speak for the greatness of a movie by any means, but I. I this was definitely a passion project that he just felt like he needed to get done. I'm happy for him that he did like, congratulations (laughs) to Terry Gilliam, but yeah, I never need to see this again. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, so yeah, Adam Driver's in it. So like that immediately <laughs> makes it a must see movie because you yeah. have to go through all of his. It's like you have to see it. Um, but that's that's what you're going to get. You're going to get Adam Driver in a role that you've never really seen him in. Um, he's going to do things that you've never seen him do. Some that you never really wanted to see him do. Um, and it's it's I guess. Yeah. Curiosity makes this movie worth watching. Um, I found myself like I, one of the themes of the movie is these characters like start to lose grasp of reality. And I found that happening to me as I was watching it. And so I didn't know, I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, and I also feel like, honestly, this is like one of those movies where like in a high school AP literature or film study class, like maybe week yeah. by week you watch 20 minutes and dissect everything that you're watching. And maybe it's more enjoyable that way. Like, cause it does seem like there are some themes and like symbolism throughout the movie that like felt like reading an AP book in high school. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the best way to enjoy it. As far as like sitting down and trying to enjoy a movie. Um, it honestly, the lost in or the, that documentary about the, the movie is probably more enjoyable than the movie itself. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say like, I've, I have never even seen that or listened to that uh, podcast. You mentioned the, wh- how it went wrong or whatever, but like, <clears throat> it sounds like having never seen those, I, I would recommend watching or listening to those instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, I will say behind the scenes is a little bit more captivating. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I'm actually really badly want. I w- don't badly want to watch this movie again. I badly want to watch the documentary now. Yeah. <laughs> um, my I guess my takeaway from the movie uh, before we move on would be I did appreciate how he's in the middle of this project, like later in his career, and then he's kind of hit a dud, like he's hit hit a wall on it, and then it's sort of like in a serendipitous moment finds himself like confronted with his student project. Mm-hmm. and watches it again and is like re-inspired by work that he did back then. And I mean, I work, I work in design. And so I have sketch pads and notepads from all different phases of different projects and phases of my career. And there have been times where like I thumb through something and I see something I'm like, what was I thinking here? <laughs> both, both in a good way and a bad way. Like, story yeah. of my life. there's stuff where it's like what the f was i thinking like this is insane or and then there's stuff that's like i was on to something here i don't know how i got there i don't know where i was going with it but like i can be inspired by this again and so i think that was kind of cool even though the movie ends up taking on this totally crazy ride it doesn't end with that message but i did like that aspect of the movie Mm -hmm. Um, yeah all right next up we have marriage story which I just want to say ahead of time, we we talk about it uh, in depth, and this movie is really best enjoyed not really knowing too much about it. Not that there's like spoiler, not story spoilers, but emotional spoilers. So if you have not seen this movie, please pause this, watch it, and then you can come right back and resume. Marriage Story uh, was Ben's choice, so I'm going to Hand it off to Ben to sort of recap it. Perfect. Um, yeah, IMDb uh, says this is Noah Bombeck's incisive and compassionate look at a marriage breaking up and a family staying together. Um, 
I, I've heard him explain it as he wanted to write a love story, but basically in the the envelope of of a divorce happening. You know, that's that's what we're telling here, and that's what we see. Um, Noah Bombeck is a wonderful writer director. I think pretty much hands down, we probably all know him best as the writer of Madagascar three Europe's most wanted. Um, I think that's really what his main movie is that we know him for, but he's also directed some other smaller films, um, like Greenberg while we're young, which we'll be talking about later on, uh, Meyerwood stories, Francis Ha, which is like probably my favorite movie of his. He's a, he's a great, writer director um and this movie i don't know i I rewatched it again this morning and basically i can just say that i'm glad i'm like four hours removed from it so hopefully the (laughs) redness in my eyes has gone away from crying because like this is this is just it's such a beautiful movie um my initial review was four and a half stars for marriage story when i watched it and I think I was just so like caught up in my emotions and just like worried, like, oh, this is recency bias. I can't do too much. But I gave it five today. Like it, this is this is such a, a wonderful movie. Adam Driver is like perfect. Scarlett Johansson is perfect. Laura Dern, like I never want to get divorced, but if I do, I want I want her. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Like she's she's Absolutely. so amazing. And this story just kind of captures like we we start out with this couple. Oh, uh, you know, obviously going through a divorce, wanting to be bi coastal essentially. Like she wants to live in LA, he wants to live in New York, and they're just their, their lives are coming apart. That happens sometimes, you know, like people don't stay together forever. And so we're, we're there through all of it, through all the minutia, through like writing a check to a lawyer. Like we're watching that happen. This isn't like a big, grand, explosive movie for the most part. This is like really a lot about like the the intimate moments and. Just, just like the special things that people share, even as they're being torn apart. Um, I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to like sum up this movie other than just like, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good that the casting is wonderful. Like Adam Driver's first lawyer is Alan Alda. And it's like, man, yeah, I just want to like, you know, kind of the fatherly role. Like, yeah, help me out with this. Like, what do I do? He's the first guy that really listens to Adam driver and kind of just like, cool. Like, I know these are tough, man. Like, let's get through this together. Here's what to expect. And then his next lawyer is Ray Liotta. So if you can just like picture a role in any movie being first for Alan Alda and then switch to Ray Liotta, like that's kind of what it is because then it becomes like no bullshit. Like, cool. I'm $950 an hour. Like, don't fuck with me. Don't waste my time. Here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, like, it's, it's just such a switch, but you find that it's kind of what they feel like they need to go through. But, um, I don't know. I know we're going to talk about our favorite scene later on, I'm sure. So I'll leave that for one of you guys, but I, I couldn't recommend this movie highly enough. Um, as a child of divorce, I know that's like really what hit me and got me like super emotional about it. Um, I reached out to my dad right after watching. He's like, have you seen this? And, you know, we just kind of talked about like it being maybe, maybe too real. I don't know, but also like perfectly the right amount of real. Um, I I don't know. I I couldn't recommend it enough to anyone. Like don't, don't go in for a happy movie, but just go Hmm. in for a, a, a powerful moving experience. Yeah. It's weird when you say don't go in looking for a happy movie because 
in a lot of ways, like this is not a happy movie, but when I think about it, I don't know if it's necessarily a sad movie. It certainly Mm. is like, it definitely is going to make you cry, but to me, it's, it's not so much that it's happy. It's not so much that it's sad and it seems, uh, um, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but trite or cliche to say that it's a real movie, you know, but, but in all honesty, like it, it sort of felt almost, uh, life affirming right Mm -hmm. it because it's a terrible thing that's happening uh but it's happening to two good people who are just like growing apart yeah and i think it's i think it's cool to see a story like this played out in that way because typically someone's the villain and in this movie at certain points they're both the villain uh and and the the true villain is just life i guess you could say uh Mm -hmm. dragging him apart um I had, I had put off watching this for a long time. Like this was in our second round uh, of our, of our movie club. And I don't think I watched this. I didn't watch it till March. I'm looking at my letterbox here. Mm, So I watched it. We were in like round five by the time I finally watched this because I just, I, I knew, I knew it was going to be a lot and I just was afraid of what that meant. Um, I went into it very reluctantly uh, with a sense of heavy trepidation uh, despite all the positives I knew that was going to ex- exist within the film, uh, I knew I knew all the performances were going to be great. Uh, it's Adam Driver and it's Scarlett Johansson, two two actors I really like. Um, I knew the direction would be really great. I'd seen some Bombach stuff, and it was they, they, they were both uh, or all the movies I saw were great. I knew it was going to be well crafted, but I just I felt like it was going to be too raw or maybe too heavy and too real. I guess. Um, and I guess what it came down to is I wasn't sure that I, I, I didn't trust that I wasn't going to just be hit over the head with reality, right? Like, yeah. oh, this is how life is and love is a lie and people are <laughs> awful and they're going to hurt you and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But in the end, I guess I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize I, I could trust Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, 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 I hope I don't ever make that mistake <laughs> again, uh, because honestly, I, I loved this movie and uh, despite all the fears that had kept me from watching it, uh, and those fears that, you know, come from within my own head, I had projected my own deep, dark, personal fears onto the film. And that was a mistake. And like, don't get me wrong. It's very emotionally heavy and it's full of heartbreak. It's just that I felt the story served as more of a cautionary tale, as opposed to a grim reflection on the realities of love and relationships that I had presumed it to be. Like we need to be open, we need to be honest and willing to be flexible for our partners. And we need to look out for ourselves and our partners equally. Like we need to compromise. We need to take care of our partner's happiness as much as we care about our own. And like, I, I don't know, you get the point, but uh, I, I liked the movie from the very start when I, when I finally got around to watching it. Um, I really loved how we're introduced to the characters through uh, the letters to each other. What I love about Charlie. Loving he loves being a dad. It's almost annoying how much he likes it. A little too long. He cries easily in movies. I cried four times. Me too. He's very competitive. What's this? Who owns Baltic Avenue? Um, and uh, I thought that the story was clever and charming, but I wasn't like totally hooked uh, until further into the film. And by the end, I had gone from liking it to just loving it. Um, it's sort of like, uh, it was like an exponential growth, right? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and like at the beginning I, I was like, okay, cool. This is a good movie. And like, I, I always liked Scarlett Johansson, but she was just so incredible from the beginning in this movie. And her, I think the movie at that point is, is leaning more towards her character. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh man, this is going to be a great Scarlett Johansson movie. Cool. Like, great. And then, you know, whatever. And then we, we go on and we meet Laura Dern and her monologue about uh, God as an absentee father. We love them for their fallibilities, but people absolutely don't accept those same failings in mothers. We don't accept it structurally and we don't accept it spiritually because the basis of our Judeo-Christian whatever is Mary, mother of Jesus, and she's perfect. She's a virgin who gives birth, unwaveringly supports her child and holds his dead body when he's gone. And the dad isn't there. He didn't even do the fucking. God is in heaven. God is the father and God didn't show up. So you have to be perfect and Charlie can be a fuck up and it doesn't matter. You will always be held to a different, higher standard. And it's fucked up, but that is the way it is. I I was legitimately floored. I, I, I didn't expect that. She delivered it so well. Oh, um, she's, she had so much power behind her and so much confidence and so much, I was like, Oh shit. Like I will, <laughs> like I will follow her into battle. Right. Like <laughs> I need her on my side. Um, and then, uh, I was like, I, then I was in, I was like, okay, this is a four star movie. And by this point, like enough had happened where I'm in. And then we get to the scene that you mentioned earlier. And I guess I'll drop this now, but where uh, Adam Driver gets up and sings in the bar, and at that at that point, I was truly fucking floored. It came mm. it came out of absolute nowhere for me. It was hit like the way he sang it and performed it was just beautiful, and I think it just was so unexpected that it just it sort of like spun me around, and I just was like, I've gone from I really like this movie to I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, and in the end, there wasn't a performance I didn't enjoy. Uh, the writing, direction, editing, pacing, overall crafting of the film was incredible. And I only gave it four and a half stars, which I, I probably honestly would bump up to five if I watched it again. Uh, but I just uh, I'm trying to be less liberal with my five star reviews. So um, I couldn't have been more wrong. And I wish I didn't put off watching this movie for as long as I did. But um, in the end, I, I couldn't possibly recommend this movie enough. Like. I don't have a lot of divorce in my life, but you can see like I've had relationships in my life where, you know, you get driven apart for whatever reason. And it's just was like, it doesn't make you feel bad about it. It doesn't make you feel good about it. It just is like, this is what happens and it's okay. And maybe if you're conscious of these things happening, you can avoid this outcome. Mm -hmm. no one's a bad guy. It just is. It just is what it is, you know. And I just thought it was. I thought it was incredible. Yeah, and I, mean, I guess to to bring up that last point, like divorce isn't the bad guy in this. Like you go through the movie and you recognize why it's happened, mm-hmm. and you also, since neither side are really the bad guy, like you see why it's happened. You understand why it's happened, and it doesn't make it any less emotional. In fact, it makes it even more emotional. Um, because you're, you go through the movie and like the two characters still really love each other, but not in the same, like, let's stay together sort of way. And I think the bad guy in it really is 
you know, the, the process, the law, like the laws around divorce and the sure. process that good people have to go through to have it happen and have it happen like in a, in an amicable way. I mean, yeah. I'm saying amicable, like it can happen in an amicable. I mean, I, I'm sure it could, but like, this isn't, this isn't the, a story like trashing marriage. It's not a story trashing divorce, right. but it is trashing what it does to people. And this wasn't even a bad divorce. Like I would, if you were to look at this from the, the beginning to the end and the way that the movie ends, like this actually ends like a pretty good divorce. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if, if the ex husband is able to go trick or treating with the new family and his son, that's a pretty good divorce in my eyes. Um, yeah. I so, always said it's not like a happy movie and that I may have misspoken, but it's, it's still a hopeful movie. You know, while you're watching right. this, you're like, yeah. yeah, this is still like, even if things didn't work out, they're still a family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think like Noah kind of describes it perfectly. Like it is a love story because the thing that everyone still shares from start to finish is like love for one another. Um, it is just through this kind of ugly lens of this really bad process that they have to go through. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I, I, I can't continue on without like shouting praise to Laura Dern because while on one on one hand like from Charlie's perspective like you absolutely hate her with like what she's like how she's leveraging things mm-hmm. yeah but then from like Scar's perspective like she is a hero and like is just doing like in a phenomenal job and like she just did like she had you on her team like the second you meet her oh yeah, yeah. and it was just so cool um, the way that like Noah, I, I just feel like this is one of those rare and I gave it five stars as well. Um, but it's one of those rare movie experiences where I feel like the director, the script, the acting, the score by Randy Newman, which was amazing. Like everything worked together to just create this perfect experience. And I feel like out of the people that have seen it, everyone went on the journey that they were supposed to go on. Like, it was crafted perfectly for you to go through this emotional trip. Um, and, and they, and it worked and it was successful and everyone felt the same like things. And like, this is a movie that even though it was like such an emotional ride, I still quote it all the time. There's still so many like funny things, so many sweet things, so many like just great moments, um, that it really, yeah, like Tyler said, it's not a sad movie, even though it is like emotionally devastating yeah. at times. Um, and yeah, just to again give shout my praise to the bar scene. I had heard I, I was looking forward to this movie. So I saw it back in 2019. Um, I didn't think I'd ever watch it again. Um, just from what the it was like I knew it was gonna be emotional. I didn't anticipate it being quite what it was. Mm-hmm. Um I do recommend watching it twice though, because it is it's a different experience the second time. Oh. Anyway, I had, I'd seen uh, an interview with Adam Driver and it was kind of spoiled for me that he'd be singing in it at some point. <clears throat> they didn't show the scene, but they just had him talk about it. And he said that like it was something that him and Noah had wanted to do for a long time. And finally, there was a script and a context that made sense for it. And so when it ha- when it started happening, like it was crazy. And then like, just to see his performance and then hear that song in the context of what had just happened to Charlie's character. Yeah. It was like just in, in, in an insane emotional experience that I don't think I've experienced in any movie, honestly, for sure. And it solidified it as like one of my favorite scenes 
of any movie of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way, like, sorry, Ben, but no, go for it. No, just the way that uh, like the, it's just a testament to Adam driver's acting ability because he was, he wasn't just singing. He was, he was feeling that, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like he really tapped into what it would be like to go through that and, and have, uh, and have, you know, have your life torn apart like that and, and to go through all those things and to really still respect the person you're in opposition to and, and, and have some sort of love for. And it just was like, it was, it was heart wrenching and it was just so, so realized and so honest. And it was just, whew, it, it really, hmm. when, every time I think about it, I'm still blown away and I've only seen it the one time, but it's, uh, that- it's powerful stuff that scene just like floored me. Like that's again, like I, I was probably riding like a four star wave throughout the whole movie. And that happened. I was like, well, this is at least four and a half stars now. Cause like Mm -hmm. the shot of him just singing, just just like making like I'm bawling, you know, like this is crazy. And I think that also just kind of speaks to the, the craft of it, which I just want to talk about quickly because it's all in one take. Like we just, we're just with him as he kind of moves back and forth. And I, again, I was listening to Noah Bombeck talk about it and he said they did something like 12 takes, which I cannot imagine like <laughs> sitting there <laughs> watching this happen 12 times. Like, how do you have like fluids in your body to cry? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like if you're there just like watching, it's insane. But he talks about like, this is one of the things that really stuck out to me that Noah Bombeck said is, is, Throughout the whole movie, we are always with one of the two main characters and the camera intentionally moves with them. Like it, it that's the only time that the camera moves is with the characters, except for two oh. scenes. And that's when Scarlett Johansson is like giving her monologue with Laura Dern. We get like a slow push in and then we get that same thing here as Adam Driver singing. That's the only time that the camera moves that doesn't have to do with the character moving around. And I think that just speaks so much to like, you know, ScarJo just like letting it all out about what it means like to to be with him and, you know, like the the narcissism and the selfishness. And she's just like letting it out. I, I'm pretty sure it's while she's talking to Laura Dern. And we just we get that raw core like emotion. And then we also get that when he's singing this song. It's just like, man, that's crazy that these are like the two things that mirror each other. And those are the only times. And it's just like, it's just those little details, you know, it's like, man, I, I, like I, you notice it, but just kind of subconsciously, you know, like we're getting this slow push and it's like, we really are hitting home. Like what this guy's going through right now. And this is the perfect way to do it. It's, I don't know. It's beautiful. I'm half tempted just to like play the whole thing <laughs> so people can see it. But I also don't want to like ruin it for people because when it happens, yeah. like I, I I don't know. Like I, I hope if you've been watching this that you'll have seen it. You you will have seen right. the movie or you're about to. If I do play it, I'll just put it at the very end of the the podcast. So just like skip it. But like Man, it's just, it's such a wonderful scene. And again, just to like echo what you guys are talking about, Flora Dern. I mean, she won the Oscar for Best Supporting yeah. Actress. There were six Oscar nominations and she's the only one that won. And I feel, I mean, she, her whole role is perfection. But that speech, that monologue that she's giving when she talks about how like, <sighs> men expect women to be perfect. She's like, think about it. Like the person who gave birth to Christ was a virgin. Like that's how perfect she was. You know, like people are just yeah. expecting this all the time. You know, it's like, you have to be perfect. And 
we just see the flip side of that where when they're trying to like quote unquote win the battle it's like these little things that just get talked about in random conversation get brought up in court and used against them you know like adam is with scarjo and she's like oh man i just had a little too much to drink tonight but you know you know whatever and you know for those of us that do like we've all kind of been there so it's like you're just a little tipsy it's not a big deal but then it comes up in court. It's like, oh, well, she like he said you were carrying their son while you were drunk. It's like, wait, hold on. Like this is completely blown out of context. But that's like that's what you get, you know, when you try to like get to the hardcore stuff. You know, when when Ray Liotta is your lawyer, he's going to cut to the chase. Yeah. You know, he's going to like really spin stuff. And Laura Dern's not afraid to do it either, though, which I think is great because they go back and forth. And the power of those courtroom scenes is that we we still are watching our main two protagonists look at each other but they aren't saying anything it's like their lawyers are saying everything for them it's just like i don't know it's such a strong strong movie and i yeah couldn't recommend it enough agreed yeah so check out marriage story before you watch (laughs) the adam driver singing in the bar honestly (laughs) you you don't want to watch them separate like no you it just doesn't it doesn't hold the same weight it's still a great scene I feel like if you've listened to this point without having watched the movie, like I, I, Ben, you need to put a, a, a warning before we talk about this thing. Cause I can't, I don't think you could listen to this conversation and then go see the movie and have the same experience. I feel like you need to, this is one you need to have seen before we talk about it. Yeah. I, I I'll agree with that. Like, I feel like, you know, I know we put the spoiler warning at the beginning, but Hopefully what we've discussed so far isn't too awful, but we'll do some sort of a, a warning well, beforehand. But Yeah, I just feel like I feel like part of the reason and maybe it's just because that was my personal experience is because I didn't know anything about this movie other than everyone was saying it was great. Yeah. And I just I think part of the reason I enjoyed it so much is because it it it, it met those expectations while also throwing them back in my face. Right. So it's yeah. like discovering these things as you're watching the movie, I think is the way that it needs to happen. So if you, if you've listened to this point, you haven't seen the movie, I'm really sorry, but (laughs) (laughs) now to finish, finish this episode off, we have to leave with our Rushmore mountain. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Uh, to, to plagiarize from Conan O'Brien, all of our budget went to that graphic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little segment graphic. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll start us off. Um, Adam Driver has become one of my favorite actors. It's crazy that he's just kind of skyrocketed up in these last several years, done a ton of work for the little amount of time that he's been working. Um, and to me, just brings so much freshness to every single role that he's in. That all said, and he's great in everything, it was still pretty easy for me to pick my four favorite. And so we might see some crossover, but I will start off with um, maybe the obvious one, Kylo Ren, specifically from The Last Jedi. I want every gun we have to fire on that man. Do it. Then we'll go into, speaking of Marriage Story, Charlie Barber from Marriage Story. 
Then I've got to go with Clyde Logan from Logan Lucky. And then finish it off with Flip Zimmerman from Black Klansman. Here you Jews do something funny with your dicks. Some weird Jew shit. Is your dick circumstanced? Oh, is that what this is about? You're trying to see my big Jew dick. So this one was actually like, I, I knew we were doing Adam Driver for Rushmore Mountain. I didn't prepare at all. I, I, <laughs> I meant to do it before we started recording today and I didn't. So we're going to do this. We're going to do it live. We're going to do it right now. I'm going to go through his IMDb and I'm going to make some picks. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. And so the first thing I'll say is I'm going to put Marriage Story on there. I would be surprised if it wasn't on all three of ours. Um, so Marriage Story would be the first. And again, I know that the rules of movie club, we're not supposed to talk about TV, but I don't know. We made the rules so we can break them. <laughs> and I have to put Adam Sackler on there. I have to put his oh, character from, from Girls on there. I just, yeah. if we're going to talk about Adam Driver as an actor and that's how I met him and I just love that character. So he's got to be on there. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way it's going <laughs> to hands are tied. He has to. Okay. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Um, and then I would also put Kylo Ren on there. Um, I'll put The Force Awakens. And uh, yeah, mainly because uh, it's not the one you picked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for the fourth, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to just leave it open for now and fill it in later because now that I'm looking at this, like I haven't seen black Klansmen. Um, I liked the report that was, uh, that'll be in an episode that we mm-hmm. do later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't say that that would be better than any of the three I put on there. So I can't put it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the man who killed Don Quixote, I thought was just fine. I guess, I guess um, I'll put I'll put his character from while we were young on there, and then maybe that'll be replaced later. Cool. Um, he was great in that. Yeah, he's really good. He had a he had a you know the the fun whimsical hipster guy, which is different for him. So yeah, 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 yeah. He's you know he's just a fun dude. So I'll I'll put I'll put those four uh, for now. Cool. Um, I am just gonna complete the new trilogy. You know, we'll just go with <laughs> what's the one called? I'm drawing a blank. Rise right of Skywalker. Now. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, yes, the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Which, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, my order would have gone on what you guys did. I loved him in Last Jedi. He really, like, really brought it in Force Awakens. Like, that's that's a pretty big role to take on to be like the big bad in a Star Wars movie oh, without yeah. like just being Darth Vader 2.0. And he Mm -hmm. was, he was so good. Like the force choke, like when he's like stopping the blast in that that opening scene with Oscar Isaac, like I was in, you know, like, okay, this guy's legit. Can we talk about that for just one sec? Yeah, please. My biggest complaint. And it's funny that you say like without being Darth Vader 2.0, but my biggest complaint with Kylo Ren is the fact that we do see his face. Like, I feel like, I feel like he should have just been the, the faceless villain the whole time for whatever reason, for some, for some reason he lost to, in my opinion, he lost some of his, uh, power and some of his, um, intimidation. The second mm. you, 
you see his face and he's still like a scary guy. And he, you know, he's obviously a violent guy's violent tendencies and stuff, but that opening scene, I was like, Oh shit, this guy is unstoppable. He's so yeah. scary. Like, and then he takes his helmet off and it's like, ah, it's just this, he's just weird. <laughs> you yeah. know, like he's just a weird guy with a, with a chokehold. I don't know. It's just, that's it, the guy just, from girls. I, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even so much that it's just, I think part of the reason I like Adam driver so much is because he does have this sort of, uh, relatable charm to him or mm-hmm. he's sort of, you know, he's, he's, he's not, not that he's an ugly guy, but he's, you know, he looks, he has a look, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's a very specific look and he sort of has this sort of like, I don't even know how to describe it. He just like, Adam driver doesn't scare me, but Kylo Ren does. And I just felt like as soon as, as soon as you can, you can see that he's like, just like a, a normal dude. I don't know. It just yeah. sort of ruined it for me. Not ruined it. I still think, I still think it's a cool character, but, and obviously he's different than Darth Vader mm-hmm. in that he is someone you can sort of see and relate to and have some sympathy for, but I don't know. I just felt like yeah, he was and, better yeah. off. See, my favorite scene was him. My favorite scene was him smashing his mask in the last Jedi and just being Adam driver for the rest of the, for the rest yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And maybe it would have been, maybe it would have worked better for me if, the entirety of uh, the force awakens. He was the faceless guy and mm. then he smashes it and then goes from there. I don't know, yeah. but I just was kind of like, oh, I, I kind of liked it better when it was just this Kylo Ren guy. And it wasn't, hmm. it wasn't. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm with you like that. I, I hadn't thought that until you said that. And I, I get the perspective. I think that's like totally valid. My, mm-hmm. my first thought too, just goes to like the, the, behind the scenes of Hollywood where it's like, well, no, I got to like, you know, my brand, not that Adam drivers were his brand. It's like, I got to have some FaceTime, you know, cause it's like, it makes you think about, I feel like a lot of the questions for these movies, like X-Men two, James Mars is just like covering his eyes the whole time. And people are like, Oh, is that weird? Mm-hmm. Like people may not really know who you are. And to an even greater extent, I don't know if either of you guys saw dread with Carl Urban, but he's just covered the whole time. And I think it works. It works perfectly for the story. But I also just know that like, in, you know, kind of the, the press interviews later, it's like, what was it like just to like not be able to show your face? I'm like, it's gotta be kind of <laughs> weird, you know, to be like, yes, I'll be yeah. the lead role, but don't look at me. But you know, then again, how many times has Tom Hardy done this now with Christopher Nolan? <laughs> it's like, we just see a couple things, like it's just his eyes or something like that. So. Well, I, like at a certain point, like it's star Wars, like yeah. star Wars is bigger than Adam driver. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. everyone knows James Earl Jones was the voice behind Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I mean, I understand, I understand why an actor would feel that way, but I don't know. I just feel like some of his, uh, mystique and intimidation is gone when we realize he's just like an angsty teenager or yeah. whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. And I think to that point, that's why I'm going to choose Rise of Skywalker as my Kylo Ren because we do get to see the emotion from him. I think that's like one of the big differences between him and Darth Vader is that yeah. he's growing mm-hmm. over time and we get to see the conflict between both him and Rey, you know, and that's maybe a little hard to do with the mask on the whole time. And that's why I liked him so much in the Rise of Skywalker is like we we kind of come full circle with him Um I, I don't know, just his character arc and at the end with the Knights of yeah. Ren and like taking them out, doing all that kind of stuff. I think 
I don't think you could be wrong by picking any of these movies. I think he really mm-hmm. brought a lot to that role. Um, and I don't know that that's, that's not an easy thing to do, you know? Um, so that'll be my first one. I'll go with Rise of Skywalker. I'm also going to echo Marriage Story because I don't know how you can give someone a five-star movie review and be like, nah, let's, he's on three other things that are better. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, I'll go with Marriage Story. I, I will say like the line, Matt, you talked about like saying stuff all the time from this movie. And I don't know why, but the one that always sticks out to me is when he and his kid are coming up the escalator and his kid's like, I yes. cried four times. I cried four times. Me too. He cries easily in movies. I wonder if it was the same four. Me too. Like, I wonder I if they're the same ones. I love <laughs> yeah. that line so, me too. so much. I wonder if they're the same ones. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so good. Part, like, yeah. oh, it just it cracks me up so much. And then like so good. you know, in, Invisible Man in the mirror, like just making I don't know, he's just he's a yeah. passionate <laughs> father. He's like committed to everything. And I yeah, it's so good. Um I will also go with Black Klansman. Um that's a great movie. Obviously, hopefully you've listened to our other Spike Lee movies that we've talked about, but this is me personally, anyway, a very high recommend. Um, plus mm-hmm. we get John David Washington. So no complaints so there. Good. Um, honestly, like Matt, you and I have basically the same thing because my other was going to be Logan Lucky. Um, his, his performance in that. I mean, it's just, it's so different. I feel like than almost anything <laughs> else he's done. And I mean, this isn't a, a movie where like James Bond has bleach blonde hair and just like this southern <laughs> accent, and like Adam Driver still holds his own in it. You he's know? missing but, an arm. Yeah, yeah, he he's missing an arm. arm. He's like this bartender. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> Daniel Craig's great in it. It's nothing I expected. We're gonna be, you know, talking about the killing later, and you know, I can say that I think Logan Lucky might pop into the discussion about as far as heist movies go. Like, it's a pretty solid mm-hmm. heist movie. Um, I still haven't seen it. Which one? Both? Logan, uh, yeah, both. Logan, Logan, yeah. Logan Lucky. It, yeah. I mean, it, it really, I had no expectations going into it. It was one of those times where you just like sit on the couch, like, I don't know, let's just check this out and see. And then afterwards, like, man, it was really good. Like, why haven't I heard more people talk about this? Like, this was, it was a fun movie. I had a really good time with it. So, um, but I, I also will say, like, my introduction to him was in Girls, and he's like marvelous. If you haven't watched that, I, I recommend it. But I will trade all of these roles for the one scene in What If where he talks about having nachos. I just need that <laughs> on the loop for the rest of my life. And Adam Driver can oh, stop man. acting because that is like... <laughs> I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest moment of my life. Unless you screw it up with whatever it is you're about to say. Possibly so my favorite. Like, I don't know. It's it's so, so good. So I what is another great movie? Honestly, like if you haven't checked it out, please do. This is I wrote my review. Like, to be fair, I haven't seen Swiss Army Man or some of the other movies Daniel Radcliffe has done, but this was the first time that I watched a Daniel Radcliffe movie without seeing Harry Potter. Like I was just like invested into his character. And Adam Driver yeah. is like his buddy that's in it. And he's a great, you know, side like just comic relief kind of role. And <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great rom-com. I mean, I'm sure February will be going into rom-coms and this, it's very new to list. me, but this was still just like, I don't know. It might be in my Rushmore, you know, at least honorable mentions. Yeah. I really liked what if, so yeah, yeah that's my Rushmore mountain. Cool. Sweet. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please check out our website, our shop. We've got some cool things on there. 
And as always, if you want to support us, we have our Patreon. Um, we'd love for you to be a patron, contribute, and we will, uh, we'd love to, to work with you that way. And yeah. Is- and, and really like, I want to, I want some, I want to, I want some, uh, participation, you know, I want some, mm-hmm. I want some interaction here. You know, we're, we're doing this because we like doing it. I mean, I could sit and talk about this stuff with you guys forever, but like, you know, we want, we want, we want some people to, to clap back at us. Tell us what you think about these movies or tell us why we're right or we're wrong or leave some comments. And, and the next time we do a watch party, I highly recommend you be there because it's a blast. So we had a great um, time. Yeah. yeah. All the community that, that was there and chatting along and some of our Rushmore mountain posts have gotten a, like quite a bit of traffic, which has been great. I think our directorial debut, you know, we got a lot of interesting feedback on that from other people's mm-hmm. choices and movies that I just never had even thought about. So that's, that's what we're trying to do here. We really just kind of want to build a, a community where we all get to get together and talk about movies and everything. So yeah, please, yeah. if you have any thoughts, don't keep them to yourself. Just, you know, share them with us. Yeah. It's a, it's a movie club. And if you're watching on YouTube or listening, wherever you get your podcasts, like you're a part of the club. So you, we want to hear your opinions on stuff. It's just, we happen to be the ones with the microphones. So, uh, but you have a keyboard and you can tell us everything you think and we'd love to hear it. So uh, I hope you do. We are three films in a podcast doing our little podcast episode and we are signing out. See you later. See ya. I spent the whole year demanding that Adam Driver demolish me. Crush my larynx, you unwieldy boulder. Explode my... Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Hey, John. Oh, wow. Adam Driver. Can't believe you're calling. Oh, good. Listen to me. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, Excuse me? This bit. Right. This bit. This thing you've been doing that's either sexual or violent. Oh, you know, I, I like to think of it more as a little column A, little column B. This strange, strange bit yeah. that for some reason you pulled me into. Mm-hmm. What is it? When you first started doing it, it was easy for me to shrug it off. Especially with those shoulders, I bet. But then it kept going on and on. But you could shrug off the whole planet and with on those big peaks. On and on. Stop talking. Right. Do you realize over this past year what you've asked me to do to you? Collapse on your chest. Tie your fingers in a square knot. Step on your throat. Shatter your knees. Pull your heart out through your ear. What's wrong with you?